Welcome to Entrench, a 21 Pilots podcast. Hello, local dreamers. Welcome to Entrench. My name is Anna, and this is episode 60, Polarize. Make sure you've listened to the song beforehand and are ready for an in-depth analysis of track 9 off Blurry Face. Today, I'm analyzing Polarize with my new friend, Caleb. Welcome to the podcast, Caleb. How are you doing? Doing good. Glad to be here. Good. We are glad to have you. Um, Me and Caleb are listening to one another's bodiless voices today. (laughs) Um, Any, just because it's like 2024, any predictions on like when you think the album will happen or anything? The next one, I have no clue. There, it's so sporadic, mm-hmm. and I haven't, I haven't really dug into it. It's just the kind of thing that, it feels inevitable, but you never know when it's gonna come. So, just waiting patiently. Yeah. I feel like we're, like, I don't know if they'll like drop another hint beforehand. I feel like we're kind of waiting for the precursors still. So. Yeah. I just like seeing if people have any predictions or anything. But, I'm yeah. I'm not a I'm not a gambling man, so I couldn't tell you. That's fair. <laughs> so since this is your first podcast, I wanted to run through the introduction questions. Um, so firstly, um, if you want to talk about like what your personal story with the band is, and also your listener story and how you found the podcast. Um, so personal story with the band. Um, I think the sort of main story that I remember is when I was first introduced to the band back in 2015, it sort of encapsulated this sort of era of my life that was really sort of difficult. Mm -hmm. I was, how old was I in 2015? I need to do math. Uh, Like 12, maybe? So I was young. That's like almost 10 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. I was young young kid with you know dealing with school and just life in general and it sort of solidified that part of my life with music that from people who who understood the the same struggles i mean that's kind of what blurry face is about Mm -hmm. is understanding those struggles and so just getting introduced to the band is a probably one of the biggest memories that I have in terms of when I found the podcast, I don't exactly remember the circumstances of when I stumbled upon it. I don't know if I was, can't remember if I was actively looking for like a song analysis podcast. I might have been, I just remember I was listening to the first uh, or some of the older episodes while I was at work. And then it just sort of threw my, threw my head for a spiral trying. I was like, Oh wow, these are, way more meaningful than I thought they were. Oh, really? Just like the yeah. letters or... Yeah, I, I mean, I've kind of always understood that there's a lot of meaning behind 21 Pilots music, just in general. Mm-hmm. But, like, the, the layers upon layers. I, I don't do very much analysis beyond maybe a couple layers in, but the... That's okay, too. Yeah, the level of detail that you do here is really quite something well thank you i my hope is that i can like help show people how 
how many ways they can connect with the song in a way, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a second part to that podcast story. I listened to it and then I listened to an episode and then almost immediately after, I think that afternoon, I went and did some like housework with a friend. We were painting and like cleaning windows and that kind of stuff. And I told him about the podcast and we just talked about 21 Pilots for like a good couple hours. I just, love that. Yeah, so it's sort of... Is this someone you've known loves the band for a long time? Oh, yeah. I've yeah. known this guy since sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's just the biggest... He's, a, he's a, ah, as big of a fan of the band as I am. And we talk about like the meaning behind the songs, like what's... What are they going through? Especially Tyler, like what's going through his head when he's singing, mm-hmm. and so it sort of spurred on good conversation about the band that we don't really get to have very much. Mm-hmm. That's really encouraging. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I feel like if I can create more conversation, that's exactly what I want. So <laughs> that's cool. What, if any, is your favorite album? I have to say, Trench is hands nice. down my favorite. That's the only option. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, any particular reason? I don't know. It has got to have some of the most unique sounding music that I've heard. And also the whole aesthetic of the album. I really liked it. It was sort of grungy and dirty. Like... The, all the promotional artwork was sort of grungy and the the music wasn't very like clean cut yeah I and it was sort it was sort of all over the place and I really I was especially like captured by the the world of Dima that he created mm-hmm. and the whole like lore I guess that yeah. really I could really sink my teeth into it trying to figure out what's going on. Freshen myself up with all the lore to like fully explain it to everyone. <laughs> I feel like I'm rusty. Yeah, um, I'm f- sort of familiar with the lore they establish within Trench, but I've heard that it like goes all the way back to Blurry Face and even continues into Scaled and Icy, and that that territory is something that I'm not very familiar with at all. Um, do you have a favorite song? That's probably really difficult. Yeah, it is. It's, I could narrow it down to two. I think I'm either going to have to go with My Blood or I think Nico and the Niners. Nice. Those are both great songs. I'm very biased. <laughs> what's, what's, what's your favorite song or top two or three? Because it's hard to pick one. much like I usually will think about like per album but I feel like one I come back to the most is probably my grain oh yeah 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 that's Um, a great one yeah especially in terms of like spiritual warfare and everything I think I connect with that a lot but I also have gone um and leaned into my blood a lot as well for similar reasons so yeah the the my blood music video is probably the, the best video I've ever watched. 
it it's like you watch a whole movie in four minutes. And it's you crazy. Watch it and you're like, I have to watch it again. I know, and the <laughs> the ending gets me every time. Yeah. It does. That it's got to be some of the best like short film making I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to talk about both of those. How does the band inspire you, or do they represent anything for you? Well, like I mentioned earlier with the personal story, each sort of album or even just individual songs sort of capture memories or like certain eras of my life, regardless of, you know, if that's a, a set of, you know, a few years, uh, like a grade level at school or just a couple months where I was in a particular mood for a short time. So they, I can, and then I can go back and listen to those albums and songs and not relive the memories but you know remember what that that period of time was like yeah i resonate with that as well so and some some songs uh, like remind me of certain people who either that's their favorite song from the band or just from what i know of their personal struggles that song in particular connects with their personal struggles so I've I've sort of used the band as more than anything else a time capsule. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like that's also the power of music in general. Yeah. And then do you have any favorite Tony on Pilots memories? Yeah, one of my favorite memories, I mean, that took place while I was like listening to the music. I was listening to I think I was listening to trench i think i was listening to like jumpsuit levitate and nico and the niners on like soundcloud when those tracks were first dropped before the album came out mm -hmm. i was listening to them like sitting in my room and i think i was just like sort of daydreaming stories and characters that sort of fit the themes of those three songs talking about you know being in a strange place you don't understand what's really happening to you. You're trying to find a way out, but you don't know how. Yeah. And it's a very fond memory because some of my, I generally consider myself a creative person. And so those stories and characters that came out of that headspace, listening to that music are some of my most beloved personal keepsakes that I have in my head. And now that's like another memory on top, kind of. Yeah. Another thing to fit in the 21 Pilots time capsule. Mm -hmm. I can always go back to... I could go back to a particular album and have a whole range of memories. Or, like, especially for their older music, I've never really done, like, a full album listen of self-titled or Vessel. Really? It's yeah. A, it's a great experience. I, yeah, my, my friend who really i think he enjoys some of their older music far more than their newer stuff is like dude you gotta listen to self-titled and vessel all the way through i mean i agree it's on the it's it's something that i gotta do but then there's tracks like some older ones from like no fun intended or regional at best mm -hmm. that i've listened to and those those like just one song can capture a particular time so it's 
on an album and a per song basis, which is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I also think of like where Tyler and Josh were at different points throughout all of these albums too, which is also like a different time capsule. I'm going to be honest, like I haven't really tracked their personal lives very much, like not really something that I've been interested in, not because I don't think that their journeys aren't important, but what I've learned generally is that if you want to, I've tried, I try to separate their creator from the creation because I've like dug in on some like musical artists that I listen to and I'm like, Oh, that's a, that they're just a bad person. And now you sort of, it ruins the experience of the music. And I'm not saying that that is any, and like, and in any way the case for 21 pilots, but I think, Tyler's music is special to him for reasons that are different than mine. Like mm-hmm. his music is special to me for, so I I don't know. I just don't want like cross cross contamination. I don't know how else to describe it. That's completely valid for sure. But yeah, any last thoughts before we dig into the song? Other than I hope my notes are adequate. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be great. So today we're talking about polarize, um, which is. A very great song. I feel like, personally, it was never, like, one of the ones I reached for first on the album, but I really liked analyzing it, and I feel like this is one of those times for me where getting to really stop and slow down with the song brings a lot more meaning out of it for me. Yeah, I, I would... I don't know about you. No, I, I agree. I've, I've been listening to this song for years, and I always sort of got this... I don't know, it always made me think of... Um, Peter, the disciple, like mm-hmm. it sort of matched, not, it sort of conformed to his journey throughout the New Testament in his life with Jesus. And I think, you know, the themes of denial, and then mm-hmm. there's the weird, like, rooster crowing noise that plays later in the song. Wait, sort of. What point is that? Uh, it's during the Domingo and Fuego portions. I think I lost my halo. I don't know where you... It, it plays sort of in the background, I think. Mm-hmm. I'll have to re-listen to that. I'm sure you've listened to it more times than I have. So that's also why I'm happy you're here. Okay, so background. Just like one fun fact. Um, Polarized was recorded in Tazana, which is a suburb of Los Angeles. And it was produced by Mike Elizondo. So let's dig into the song. So we start with the chorus, actually. And he says, help me polarize, help me polarize, help me down. Those stairs is where I'll be hiding all my problems. And then he repeats. And then he says, my friends and I, we got a lot of problems. Any initial reactions? Um, so one of the first things that I did when I started taking notes was I looked up the definition of polarize because I think that's a very important, you know, it's the name of the song. (laughs) And would you mind if I just read the definition? Not at all. I also did this. So definition of polarize is to divide or cause to divide into two sharply contrasting groups or sets of opinions and beliefs. So sort of like going to the extremes of any spectrum, Mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah. I also wrote down the other definition was to 
restrict vibrations or light waves to one direction, which I feel like is kind of a spiritual analogy, like to aim all of the light at Blurry Face or, or Satan, if we want to compare the two. I saw that when I, when I did the, the Google for the definition, I saw that definition and it was related more to physics and I sort of grabbed the more literary definition, but I think both are valid. Yeah. They both kind of it restricting to a particular axis or to extremes. I think it's both an accurate analysis of how the word is used in the song. I also just want to say, like, before he starts singing, I really like how it kind of has this ghostly synth that we connect to Blurry Face, and then it sounds like it's being smacked by the drums, which I just thought was great. <laughs> yeah, it's the droning intro. I think droning, like, noises, I, guess, I think is, like, the hallmark of Blurry Face. I think for each album, they have a sort of, like, particular sound style that they're going for, and Blurry Face is these sort of droning background noises. Yeah, At least for sure. That's, that's what I gather. That I can think of, like, they do that in Fairly Local and Message Man. Mm -hmm. So, and, yeah, of course, I mean, Polarize. I feel like it's similar to the colors where they're kind of distinguishing the albums with very distinct characteristics. Yeah. Um, the next thing I noted was Help Me Down. Um, I wasn't sure in what context this was discussing, but I said, like, potentially it's off a ledge, like, literally, or it could also be doubt and more, like, abstract. I think if you read the end of that lyric and then the beginning of the next lyric it says help me down those stairs that's true too it could just be continuation I, it might be i think this is something that that tyler does a lot and it really throws me off is i think he ends one lyric and then connects it immediately to the front of another lyric and then he uses that front to start a completely different lyric so he sort of doubles up uses a few words for both purposes. Yeah. I like, too, how there's that pause, so it's kind of like it could be a continuation, but there's also the ambiguity there, so it's kind of a double meaning. I feel like yeah, he's so, done that in a couple songs. Yeah, I can't really name any others off the top of my head, but when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, that's definitely happened more than once, I would say. Were you going to add something? I just, I thought stairs were interesting, um, like being, like, those stairs is where I'll be hiding all my problems. Hiding problems, like hiding anything really in stairs is something that seems very strange to me. And so I was trying to figure out, like, what's significant about stairs? And I, what, I might be completely off base and inserting false meaning, but what I thought of was that stairs are a sort of like transitory place between two levels or a transitory space between two places so when you're on a staircase you're not really on the first floor and you're not really on the second floor you're sort of in between mm -hmm. and i sort of point. i jumped to the does is that does that connect with being like a lukewarm christian you're not one place or another you're sort of caught in between or even, like, between Earth and Eternity as well. Yeah, so it's 
sort of like a not a purgatory for the soul or like a purgatory for the mind like you you say you're a christian but you might be living in sin so you're sort of living a double life being lukewarm as jesus described mm -hmm. yeah i could see that um i also noted that like maybe this could be a contrast to like what we think of as a stairway to heaven except it's like help me as i'm going down those stairs um, the opposite way and kind of showing that maybe he needs this aid and redirection from God as he's he's going he could be going down but simultaneously desiring God's help at the same time which I think kind of emphasizes the spiritual warfare we do see throughout the song hmm that's interesting trying to puzzle that out um, like saying help me down those stairs it's like I'm going down, but also like help me, which I feel like is an interesting tension. Yeah, and I think well the 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 leading lyric help me polarize. I think he's asking God for help, like help me like push my way out of you know the middle of being like lukewarm or in this sort of purgatory space mm -hmm. between spaces into either you know down here on earth or up in heaven with you because you don't really i mean we as christians don't believe purgatory exists so you need to you, yeah. you need to either be in one or the other so i just gonna go out and say it that i generally sort of characterized or sort of all my notes sort of fall into this pattern of analysis that says that this song is i think a character analysis of the disciple Peter, that's like the direction that I went with it. Mm -hmm. And so I thought of, you know, my friends and I, we got a lot of problems is sort of referring to, yeah, just people in general, like the world, but it could also be, you know, his fellow disciples. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I do think it's interesting, though. I feel like in at least Ode to Sleep, if not maybe a couple other songs, he does seem to draw parallels between himself and Peter a lot. I gotta say, a lot of, I think, guys in general relate to Peter, the sort of rash character, you know, foot-in-mouth, go-getter type. I think a lot of people can relate with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people in general, too, can, for sure. Um, any other thoughts for the chorus, or do you want to move on to verse one? No, I think that pretty much covers everything that I got. So, verse 1, he says, You know where I'm coming from. Though I am running to you, all I feel is deny, deny, denial. This, I just noted as kind of similar to what I said before, but this simultaneous repentance happening at the same time as sin is happening with his denial. And it, I don't know why, but I thought of this image of how it kind of feels like when you put two ends, like two of the same magnet end together, and like you can get them close, but they're never gonna come together um, in the way that he's trying to polarize like the good in himself from the bad. Yeah, I think that's a very accurate sort of analogy and analysis. Sort of, you really want to cling to God because you know that he's good. You've grown up your entire life knowing that he's good. And you know, the, the things of God are good and he's got, your future in his hands and you can you know trust that that's safe 
but at the same time we struggle for control and we struggle to do it our way and sometimes it's just not convenient to say that you're a christian so yeah. you you know push away from that or it's really scary to say you're one yeah it's either out of fear or you know vying for position or status i do think that it's this might just be a, a like a like a musical thing i don't really understand the back end of music very much mm -hmm. um but i think saying him saying deny deny denial saying that like three times the word deny three times i think fits into the idea that this is peter who said I will, I will die for you, Lord. He said that in the upper room. I will not betray you. I would die for you. Mm -hmm. And then he turns around a couple days later or the next day. And when it really counts, he denies Jesus three times. Yeah, I really like that parallel. I think it's very prominent. Did you have any other thoughts on the pre-chorus? It's pretty straightforward. Um, yeah. Pretty straightforward, and I, that's pretty much a, all of my notes. Okay. Um, I definitely meant verse one, because that was not the pre-chorus, um, but we're going into the pre-chorus. <laughs> so this is when he says, I wanted to be a better brother, better son, wanted to be a better adversary to the evil I have done. I have none to show to the one I love, but deny, deny, deny. Any initial thoughts? Other than... Man, do I relate to that sometimes. Sure. I think this, I think generally this song sort of captures what Peter and the other disciples were going through before, during, and immediately after Jesus' crucifixion, before his resurrection. So this is sort of that sort of snapshot. And I think mm -hmm. after Jesus died, Peter and all the other disciples felt this sort of overwhelming doubt and fear that everything that they'd done with Jesus for the last few years was all for nothing. They thought Jesus was going to come and, you know, free the Jews from the Romans like a conqueror, but he died like a criminal. And so all their confidence was sort of out the window, and they felt a lot of regret, especially Peter, because in the moment, in the moment that it truly counted, he denied Jesus and his last time he might have seen Jesus was him passing him by after the rooster crowed. Yeah. Imagine the regret. Yeah. And so this, I think this part of the song captures the feelings of regret. Like, I could have been better to my brothers. I could have been a better son to the king. Mm -hmm. But all I, you know, I have none to show to the one I love but deny, deny, denial. I also noted like certain characteristics of what it means to be a brother and what it means to be a son. I thought of my brother and how a lot of it has to do with like being caring and being protective. And as a son, like maybe he felt he could have been more honoring or obedient to wisdom. Um, I don't know if you had any other thoughts on what it means to be a brother or a son. No, I, I have, I'm the, I'm the oldest of four. So I have this sort of, I guess, duty sort of imposed on me by culture and like my family and I guess myself 
that I need to be a good example and I need to be I need to be the rock of, you know, all the kids. Yeah. Like I need to be the, the person that you can come to to for, my siblings can come to to depend on when it really counts. And I've always like I've I say to myself often that I, I could be a better brother. I could have been better for my oldest brother when he really needed it, but I felt like I wasn't there. Or I had quote unquote better things to do, and I always like have pangs of regret when I really start to think about it because I feel in a way that I failed as a brother. I'm sure that's a very common like oldest sibling experience. I am yeah. the youngest of four, so <laughs> we have very different <laughs> outlooks. Yeah. When it when it comes to being a, a better son, I think it's the same sort of you know, I could have, you know, just done better. I could have listened to my, you know, my parents' sound reasoning before trouble struck. But I decided to, no, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll do it my own way. And then, you know, tragedy strikes. And I'm like, oh, all that wisdom that I ignored. That's not great. Yeah. Sometimes we're so, the most in hindsight, too, unfortunately. Yeah, so if I you know, been a better son, I might have been able to avoid unnecessary pain. Mm -hmm. And I think also just on top of course, like how we always feel like we could have done better to reflect the image of God too. Yeah. I definitely don't consider myself a, you know, paragon of Christian virtue. I say things I don't mean. I lie. I, you know, I really have to work on that in that regard. Because, I don't know, if we're called to be exemplars of Christ and his character and, you know, to be set apart by our actions and our attitudes. And I don't think I really am, just generally. Yeah. I think I, That's the I don't do it. That's the too, though, of, like, we will always have sins and imperfections until we die. And so we all have this, like, polarized tension until eternity. Yeah, trying to push to the extremes yeah, for sure. Um, so my next note I have for adversary um, and what it looks like to be a better adversary to the evil. Um, I just wrote, like, being more knowledgeable of scripture, I think sometimes, especially when we're in drier spiritual seasons or we're in pits spiritually, um, it's good to have, like, scripture in our back pocket. And I know for myself, like, I've definitely had times where I'm struggling and I'm like man like I wish I had really like memorized more scripture for moments like this as well as like taking thoughts captive as scripture talks about or like being more shrewd um, and for this specifically I also wanted to read Matthew 10:16, which is about shrewdness it says behold I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves so be wise as serpents which I think is also shrewd and innocent as doves. Just some of the characteristics that we're to strive for, but that we can struggle to emulate. I think, yeah, most people don't really think that they've done enough to sort of combat the, the evil or the sin in their lives. Mm -hmm. So it's a, common, it's a common feeling that you didn't, you know, do enough when things went wrong or they could have not gone wrong in the first place had I just made better choices yeah, and then the last 
last thing I said was with the I have none to show to the one I love with denial um, just kind of how as humans we're pretty consistent in being good at doubting and being good at selfishness <laughs> yeah that's... and this is where I also connected to like how we all have that fear like Peter um, when we have doubt and our other human qualities yeah I'm I'm just curious. Did you did you did you draw any parallels to Peter in particular? I I don't remember if you said you did earlier. Um, or I if... think this is the first point where I did, which is wild because okay. there definitely are parallels throughout. Yeah, I don't. Sometimes when I was writing these notes yesterday, I kind of almost felt like I was shoehorning that in. I can't tell if that's actually like, you know, if my comparisons are valid or if. You know, there's actually some connection. I mean, I feel like if you found a connection, I feel like that makes it valid. Because, again, like, we're just analyzing through a Christian perspective rather than, like, saying this is all that the songs are or something. That's true. Like, this problem... Like, I don't know what, you know, Tyler's motivation or, you know, what his thought process behind a song is, but I'm not going to claim to have secret knowledge about that, the, yeah, the inner workings. Of course. But I think, like, something that's cool about our analysis and the podcast as a whole is, like, for me anyway, like, a big reason I love creating these is to show that, like, this can be another spiritual tool that you can use to both meditate on and combat spiritual warfare. Yeah, I will say, I... I'm not in my Bible as much as I need to be, like hardly at all. And this doing research for this was the first time I really like sat down and was like parsing through the book of Psalms and like um, some of the New Testament. Because I think, I think blurry face in general has a lot of parallels to the book of Psalms where David is lamenting about his rights and his wrongs. Like, God, I want you to see me. I want you to know me. Why are you leaving me in this desolate place? Yeah. Did you have any psalms in particular you wanted to connect to this? I just had one that I managed to quote, and it was earlier in the song. It was just, you know, back, you know background evidence for the lyric, you know where I'm coming from. And it was uh, Psalm 139.1 that says, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you, and you know me. So we have we have evidence that God knows us at all times, and despite that, we still make the choices that we make. Which he also knows. <laughs> yeah. So you're you're in checkmate either way. Yeah. <laughs> and then I don't have anything else for this part, unless you did. No, nope. nothing else really. Okay. So moving into verse two. He says, polarize is taking your disguises, separating them, splitting them up from wrong and right. It's deciding where to die and deciding where to fight. Deny, deny, denial. The rhythm here is just like, it's hard to just speak it because it's, it's just such a good I know. Flow. It's so, I know. I'm, I'm glad that you're not, I'm not reading the lyrics because I feel like I've just burst into trying to match it to the rhythm. <laughs> I just, I don't, I never want to embarrass myself, so. But also just like as... I don't know, it's kind of a fun way to, like, not only just sing them, but, like, speak them as if they're poems, too. Yeah. So, I actually have 
three verses I wanted to read um, in terms of like what disguises could possibly be. Um, in my case, all three refer to the devil, actually. So I think it's also important because at my church, we just had a sermon this past week that was on the devil and like the devil's schemes and how at his core he seeks to deceive and divide people. And so I just thought it was worth noting, like, as we're talking about disguises, people might not always realize, like, the different ways that Satan can disguise himself. So I thought, either way, it would be useful to talk about. So the first verse I have is 2 Corinthians 11.14. So 2 Corinthians 11.14 says, And no wonder, for Satan himself keeps disguising himself as an angel of light, which kind of shows that he's... He can look similar to God, and yet he's not. Um, and he's very much different. And then the second one I have is 1 Peter 5, 8. This one says, Keep your senses, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking to devour someone. And God also has parallels in Scripture to being a lion. So once again, like he can kind of disguise himself to look similarly, but he's not. And then the final one I have is Revelation 12, 9. And this one says, So down the great serpent was, or sorry, so down the great dragon was hurled, the original serpent, the one called devil and Satan, who is misleading the entire inhabited earth. He was hurled down to the earth and his angels were hurled down with him. Um, which also proves that he was convincing enough to get some of the angels on his side. Yeah. Um, going back to the verse, polarizes taking your disguises. So in my analysis, I guess I took your disguises as referring to blurry face or Satan and then separating them, splitting them up from wrong and right um, and kind of distinguishing like what's truth versus what is a lie that kind of looked like truth but got twisted a little bit. So it's not true. So those are my initial thoughts. I'm sure you probably had very different thoughts. Yeah, I thought, I thought you know, the first two lines, polarizes, taking your disguises, separating, splitting them up from wrong and right. That's a very, like, that's, I mean, in sort of a way that matches the definition of the term polarize. You're taking your, you know, these disguises and you're, you know, you're separating them into wrong or right. But I don't know, I'm sort of puzzled by the idea of disguises like what is a right disguise like is there like a white lie that i can put on that that's a good point is there any sort of good disguise because i mean disguises generally sort of you know get, like the first things that i think of is you're trying to you're trying to cover up that you did something wrong mm -hmm. so i think of some kind of context where you can have a good disguise and i i, I was drawing a blank on that Maybe also like the idea that disguise is just trying not to look like this. So I don't know if that's much more positive though. But. Yeah, if you're trying to put on this sort of this sort of facade of being a good person, because I think that's that's, yeah. a, that's something that Christians struggle with is they try to act good instead of being good. They they'll say they believe in God. They'll go to church. They'll 
go through the motions, but inside their heart isn't changing. Mm -hmm. And that's the sort of disguise that a lot of Christians wear, unfortunately, at church every week. I mean, it kind of goes back to you started talking about lukewarm Christians. Yeah. So we need to differentiate ourselves, our actions, not our, not our words, and sort of take off the disguise, because mm-hmm. the disguise is, you know, the words that we say, oh, yeah, I, I do this, yada, 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 I, you know, read my Bible every day, I pray, I go to church, I take communion, I, you know, my kids do their studies as well, and those are all, you know, those are all good things, mm-hmm. but if you're using that to sort of cover up, uh, like, an internal inadequacy in your heart, then it's just a disguise. You're using it to compensate for something that you're lacking. Yeah, which is also, like, a good way to point out, like, don't be hypocritical in your beliefs. Yeah, and that's that's something that I've struggled with. I try to align, or I try to, you know, what I believe and what I do are sort of aligned, and right now I'm in a, a space where I haven't properly polarized, I haven't separated them properly, you know, action from belief. I think or, it's also different, too, and it's like you are aware and desirous of the direction you're supposed to be going versus, like, if you're just doing things for how it looks to other people. Yeah. Because we all go through no. seasons where, like, maybe our spiritual habits aren't ideal or where we would want them to be, and that's part of being human as well. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I thought that I have a note for this verse sort of relating back to the, you know, Peter and his journey. Peter knows he knew the difference between right and wrong. He spent like three years with Jesus. Like if you don't spend three years with Jesus and start to understand the difference between right and wrong, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. (laughs) So he had, he had no excuses to not make the choices that he made. Have you polarize his beliefs how to sorry this is random have you heard that i think it's an nf song that's like i got no excuses (laughs) i honestly my 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 like listening base of nf shallow and spread out i haven't really dug into it i don't know like a lot of his music either but that one just came to mind anyway so peter didn't doesn't have really have any excuses for his actions he he knows the difference between right and wrong he he's knows how to separate them and split them up and he he's you know shown multiple times in the gospels as really know how to decide where to fight and where to die he cuts off a servant's ear he rebukes jesus for not being the sort of conqueror hero character and so he he takes a stand but in the at the wrong time or I'm, I don't want to say wrong because it all served a sort of greater purpose in the in the biblical story, but in the moment, yeah. like it might have been, like looking at it as an objective observer, it might be like, yeah, that's not a great choice, buddy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the opportunities where he could really stand up to sort of, you know, save Jesus from execution, he's just sitting around a fire trying to hide himself and denying Jesus three times. So... At the same time, um, wasn't Peter the one when Jesus resurrected who felt the holes in his hands? I think, wasn't that Thomas? Mm-hmm. Oh, Doubting what? Thomas? I, th- I thought so. Okay. 
Okay. I mean, maybe maybe they all got a turn too. It's like, yep, those are, <laughs> yeah, the, yep, those are those are nail holes. But, but I'm looking this up just. I thought the illustration was. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong since you're googling it. But from what I remember, the, he appeared. Jesus appeared to the disciples who were in the upper room, and Thomas was like, "That's that's not Jesus. That can't be real." And so I think Thomas was the first yes, one Thomas, to. You're correct. To touch the the nail holes. It's <laughs> really funny though. Maybe they all got it. <laughs> I was just curious though. Like, do you remember what? Like, was the denial the last time we saw Peter? Or was there anything after that? No, there was. Um, I think in Matthew twenty six, chapter twenty six, is when after Jesus is resurrected, he appears to Peter and other other disciples who are fishing. This is after, okay. so after, after Jesus was crucified, they sort of, you know, you know, left town, went back to being fishermen, like nothing had ever happened. And then Jesus appears to them. I think that's the, when the day that they've never, they didn't never manage to catch any fish. And then Jesus cast their net over the other side and they brought in like 130 fish. I think that's when that story <laughs> takes place is after his resurrection. Okay. And I think that's when. I don't remember what it was called, but that's when Jesus sort of like reinstates Peter as a shepherd of the flock because, you know, he yeah. denied Jesus three times and then ran away. <laughs> so Jesus came back and was like, you're you're still fine. You're good. Just don't mess it up again. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was like the, the re-consecration or like the re-apostling. I don't, I don't know the word that they used. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I feel I appreciate all the Peter knowledge that you have brought. <laughs> I've I've never had so much Peter knowledge in my head than before now. <laughs> Just all the Peter. I know everything about Peter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah. I just noted um, with the refrain, it's just the ah da 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 das, um, and repeating we have problems, and I think. I like that whenever they have us, like, singing something simple together in a song, it's always just, like, bringing this common ground of we are all consistent in our imperfection in this case. Yeah. We, we all share this sort of fundamental inadequacy. And it's, I mean, it's nothing to be ashamed of, but it's nothing to praise either. So acknowledging that you have these problems is the first step to fixing them. Yeah, for sure. Which a hypocrite probably would not do. Yeah, so you have to, you know, you can't sort of live a double life. Mm -hmm. You can't confront, you know, oh, why are my actions and my beliefs not lining up if you first, you know, don't acknowledge that you're making a mistake or that you're, you know, you, that's an issue. So then we move into the bridge, and this is when he gets his Spanish out. <laughs> He says, yeah. Domingo and Fuego, I think I lost my halo. I don't know where you are. You'll have to come and find me. And then he repeats that. Yeah. So for and those who don't know, Domingo and Fuego means Sunday on fire. And I just wrote next to this, in contrast to, like, Holy Sunday, this is an instance where it's not holy or sacred. Maybe it was even possibly used for sin, and that's why he's saying this. Hmm. Which also Interesting. would kind of make sense if you think about the next line, if I lost my halo. Yeah. And then I added with, I lost my halo, I just said, 
kind of what I talked about um, when I was discussing doubt with Luke. Just this doubt in his redemption, security, and possibly like shame from sin that makes him feel like he's too far gone from God to be redeemed. Yeah, I think that fear that you don't, you're not really saved, is very. You know, it's a perpetual thing that a lot of people deal with, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a problem that we all kind of share. I mean, no matter how solid a foundation that your faith can be based on, sometimes you just have these doubts. Yeah. Sometimes you think you lose your halo and you can't find it. For sure. And then I also said, um, as he says, I don't know where you are and have to come and find me. I think this is another tension of like asking God because he's not necessarily looking for him or maybe he doesn't even want to see him um, because of this lower place that he's sitting in spiritually. And then as he screams it the second time, he says it. And I think this kind of shows the tension of, like, I'm here in this place, but I'm also desperate to get out of it and for you to help me. And I feel like that even goes back to, like, the very first song, Implicit Demand for Proof, in their discography, and how a lot of times when there's screaming, it's really wanting God to pay attention. Yeah. Trying to, you know... Loud noises will definitely make the God of the universe pay more attention to <laughs> As me. As if you didn't already hear, yeah. Yeah, but just that re- releasing all that anger, because a lot of times, you know, when people think that God isn't listening to them or paying attention to them, we, we get angry because we've staked our lives and our sort of confidence in, you know, the presence of God. And when we feel that he's not with us, then... What 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 have we what have we built our lives on? Like this foundation that I thought was steady doesn't feel steady anymore, and that makes people angry. Mm-hmm. For sure. Although I don't really know if Tyler's screams are out of anger, because there's I mean not every scream is out of anger, so maybe yeah. it's more just Sometimes a desperate just like plea. Emphasis too. I think in particular this this little this verse or the bridge rather is I mean. It's a pretty clear, at least to me, and I've been riding the Peter train so far, mm-hmm. a pretty clear timeline, I would say, of, you know, Domingo and Fuego, Sunday on fire, Jesus was crucified. No, it was um, Sunday is the day that we, you know, take to worship God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's sort of... Before Jesus' crucifixion, man and God were separated in a very fundamental way. We couldn't, cultural and, you know, religion dictated that you can't really speak directly to God. Yes. And and Jesus' crucifixion tore that, you know, broke down that separation. You know, the temple curtain was torn from top down. You know, God was ready to listen to his people. And I think that his crucifixion, in a way, burned it all down. All that religion that previously gummed up the works that allowed people to talk with God, mm-hmm. it was all burned down. All that old tradition, all those old rules that we used to have to follow with offerings and cleanliness is all gone. We don't really have to follow those anymore. It was all burned down to the ground, back to the very fundamental core of what it's supposed to be about, and that's connection with God. I might be leaning t- too much into the fire. I think that makes a lot of sense. Did you have any other thoughts on the song lyrically or musically? Or? Yeah, I think the... I did actually want to correct myself. I quoted the wrong reference earlier. Oh, 
when I was talking about Jesus appearing to Peter and the fishermen, I meant to say John 21, not Matthew 26. I read the wrong note. Okay. So Matthew 26 was when um, Peter said, I will not deny you in the upper room, while John 21 is when Jesus appeared to them on the shore. I think I lost my halo. I, I thought that generally that just who, you know, after Jesus died, the, you know, the guy, the, you know, the son of God that made us special, we followed him, we gave up our livelihoods, you know, to go follow this guy, and he's gone now, so we just go back to our normal lives. I think I lost this thing that sort of separated me from everybody else. Yeah, I and, can't imagine, like, being one of those people in the three days in between. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a period of time that I didn't, I don't know much about, because, you know, there's... When you're learning about, especially when you're younger, you, when you learn about the, you know, the crucifixion and the resurrection, you typically just skip immediately to the resurrection because, mm -hmm. you know, three days pass, but we don't really know, or it's not really taught what happens on those three days aside from the women visiting the tomb to, you know, properly bury Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I did reading on, you know, what the disciples did and they, it's, they basically just scattered into the wind. They left. They went back to their old lives, and they just doubted because, you know, they thought Jesus would be this conqueror to come and save the Jews, but he he didn't. And so they just, you know, went back to what they did before. Mm -hmm. And so... It's interesting that that, like, happened so swiftly. Yeah, you'd think, especially from Peter, who said, I will not deny you, I would die for you, just goes back to fishing mm -hmm. a day later. And so Which I don't I know where also, you are that I think also sorry, that you can emphasizes go. how again, like people in the Bible are not superhuman or above any of us. Yeah, the the Bible is stories of regular people doing amazing things. There's nothing really particular that makes them special. It's just the God that they have faith in does very important and powerful things through them. It's not through their own actions yeah. that you know anything wonderful happens it's god who they place their soul faith in who works through them mm -hmm. for the lyric i don't know where you are i think that just sort of connects back to that profound doubt that the 12 were feeling like where did you go you died you said you were supposed to come back where and then you'll have to come and find me because they're clearly not chomping at the bit to go back to what they were doing with Jesus. They're not, you know, until Jesus was resurrected and his ascension, they weren't really going to spread out over all the earth mm -hmm. and keep preaching. Jesus had to come and tell them, hey, we're still in business. Yeah. So Jesus had to come to them in John 21 in order for their, you know, their ministry to continue. Yeah, that is... It's important to remember, for sure, because I feel like sometimes it can be easy to be extra hard on yourself when you doubt in things, um, and to just see that thread through history, that that's always been a human struggle, is very helpful. Yeah, I struggle with doubt a lot, or lacking self-confidence <laughs> in especially my creative work. I do some writing and drawing, and a lot of times I'm like, what am I doing? This is junk. With Why am I spending my time making something that nobody's going to appreciate and i need to it's a very artist uh narrative to have like imposter syndrome yeah and i think that think doubt and feeling like you're an imposter are very you know linked together mm 
because mm-hmm. people feel it feel they're an imposter so they doubt their work or they doubt their work so they feel they're an imposter because all these other people have total confidence in what they're doing at all times so i'm told like that's a sort of false image we have of people and like you mentioned in the bible these aren't perfect people but we sometimes put them on this pedestal Mm -hmm. just because they're in like god's word yeah the last thing i noted about this song is there's this organ at the end And I like how it provides this ambiguity. Are these like church sounds or is this more like gloomy funeral sounds? And it kind of oscillates between the two. Yeah, I can't really place the particular sound I think you're talking about because I should have listened to this more. I think I just listened to it a couple times taking notes, but not immediately before this. It's after like all the lyrics fade away and it's just the last little part before the song ends. Oh, yeah. I don't, yeah. Now I know what you're talking about. And also the, just the general echo lyrics, like you're in a big space mm-hmm. and churches typically are these big sort of open spaces where both worship and funerals happen. So that connects back to that analogy you were making. Yeah. Why did you want to join Polarize specifically? What do you like about this song? I think out of... I think it's just a very it's there's a lot of meaning packed into this song. It's you can real I really sank my teeth into this one. Not mm-hmm. knocking the the lyrical complexity of doubt, but doubt is a much more straightforward and simple song. It's less ambiguous about what it's trying to get across. And so, you know, you don't really I didn't really have to take very many notes on doubt to sort of understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. But for this, I really had to like sink my teeth into it. And so it was I mean, kind of a challenge. And you know, I think it's one of the songs that I enjoy more on this album anyway. Mm-hmm. I do. I like how you brought up that analysis comparison because I feel like I like how doubt is kind of that more like tip of the iceberg and then it goes into polarize, which kind of sinks deeper into a similar concept, but more on a spiritual warfare level. Yeah. you just reading the lyrics for doubt. It's fa- fairly simple. I mean, I don't want to... That almost seems mean to say like nothing really simple about trying to encapsulate these emotions in song form but in comparison to polarize where i had to really dig in and be like okay what's the definition of this word how did what does this mean yeah. in the context of the previous lyric and the next lyric and that's not really something that he you know tyler really uses in doubt mm-hmm. it's more just a a linear list of things For sure. like scared of my own immaturity, scared of my own stealing, scared of uncertainty, I might die, like, like that's just a bulleted list, more yeah. than It's kind a, of all just short statements rather than, like, a narrative with multiple layers, like you were saying. Yeah. So, I think, I guess the, 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 the deeper meaning and the complexity, I think, is what really attracted me to the song. Mm-hmm. That you, you can even really pick up on while you're listening to it. You don't even really have to go really dig into it to be like oh there's something going on here that i want to know more about which is also a cool part like when you're singing it you can also feel that spiritual tone as well Mm -hmm. any last thoughts or like anything creatively you want to plug for yourself feel free (laughs) creatively i mean any last thoughts when it comes to the song i just i think crowing noise that plays during the which i'm pretty sure is tyler joseph trying to make chicken noises which is a really funny picture in my head of tyler joseph in a sound booth squawking like a chicken 
I'm fairly certain. I need to re-listen because I don't remember that. So, yeah, there's this, like, crowing noise or, like, squawking or, like, rooster crowing sound that plays during the Domingo and Fuego. And I think that was really one of, like, the cornerstones that I built my sort of, you know, this is sort of a, a character analysis of Peter because you have denial is listed three times in sets of three. Mm-hmm. And there's the crowing after all the denials took place. That's I don't true. think... It's like the full narrative. When the crowing... St- yeah, when the crowing starts, he doesn't talk about denial anymore because it's already happened. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was just something, and it's it always sticks out. It's so weird when you listen to it. I remember I listened to the I listened to the song with my mom, and she was like, "Wait, is that a chicken?" And I was like, "I guess I don't I don't, I don't know what else it's supposed to be." Wild. <laughs> so, creative plug. I mean, I'm trying to write a book. I'm gonna see if that goes anywhere. Maybe. Hey. Um, so stay tuned for when Caleb writes a book. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it happens. <laughs> if it does, I'll I'll plug it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I greatly appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. This was a great analysis. Yeah, I really, I've been looking forward to this. I asked to join this last no last was that last May, I think. Let me let me double check. It's been a while. So thank you, Caleb, for all of your patience. Yeah, I just, it was... I think it's fun to do them in real time instead of, like, a bunch of pre-recording because then you can also, like, ha- kind of have a snapshot of, like, where the fandom's at at the same time, which nothing is really happening right now, but... Oh, well, that's ironic. Yeah. Every time I've, I have this, I have this album or I have this song downloaded on my phone, and so every time it came on, I was like, oh... Yep, still waiting for Polarize to happen <laughs> eventually. And I knew I knew when I was getting into it that it was going to be a long wait because I saw your sort of um, your upload schedule and, you know, going through their discography in order. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty far down I the started, list. Um, I started adding the music videos in as well. Yeah. Um, I, I really I, enjoy it, though, too, because it's like I get to, like, give everyone this comprehensive thing that they're going to be able to have whenever they want yeah and you know doing it in reverse order means that whenever new music is released you can just you know tack it onto the end like yeah we're doing it in reverse i decided i was like you know no matter how long the band goes i will go so (laughs) yeah like at some point it would probably be on pause but yeah hopefully they give you plenty more episodes i will keep going thanks i'm really glad i finally got to do this i've been Every time I listened to their music, it was sort of a glimmer of hope that I might be able to come on here and talk about this band that I know it's sort of like very edgy and like to say, yeah, 21 Pilots is the deepest band. But to a certain extent, I don't think that's inaccurate. Yeah, especially compared to like most pop music. Yeah, a lot of people, I think, I think... 21 Pilots fans, especially when they're younger, like junior high, high school years, they're like get made fun of for like, oh, you think they're so deep or whatever. And then I'm and like then over you're here, like, like, have you heard the songs? Though? Have you listened? To, have you listened to the music? Yeah. But yeah. So, any last parting words for the fandom, or just see you later. <laughs> keep hoping that more music is coming out. <laughs> yeah. Keep keeping on, I guess. Well, thank you again for coming on and joining Polarize. 
So I want to hear from you. You can email entrenchpodcast at gmail.com with a written account of your 21 Pilots story or your favorite memories you have related to the band. You can also reach out with an episode request if you want to analyze a song, video, or album with me. And if you'd like to contribute to the analysis we've already covered, you can send an email or message me on Instagram at entrench underscore pod. You can find Entrench on Podbean, Verbal, Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. I look forward to hearing from you. Tune in next time for We Don't Believe What's On TV. It's like their longest song title ever. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Stay alive and remember, Entrench, you're not alone.